0: Hi and welcome to episode 108 of Talking With Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives in art. I'm Maria Stolger and my guest today is an artist I've wanted to interview for quite a while, Guy Maestri, also known by those who know him as Guido. If you're an Australian artist, you will no doubt have heard of him, and although he's won Australia's most famous portrait prize, the Archibald, he's less of a portrait painter and more known for his expressive landscapes, breathtaking still life works, as well as his coloured bronze sculptures. He's had over 25 solo shows, is the winner of several art prizes in addition to the Archibald, and has been a finalist in many more. This week, Guy's solo show Short Stories will be opening at Yavu's Gallery in Sydney with an incredible body of large works and sculptures. It runs from 8th of April to the 1st of May 2021, and I can't wait to see it. We recorded this conversation in a farmhouse in Mudgee, which is about three and a half hours out of Sydney. The house was near the banks of a river where Guy would later set up his easel and a huge canvas ready to work on a new painting. And I was lucky enough to film him during that process and I'll be getting that video online in a couple of weeks. So hopefully in the background you can hear the restful sounds of birds and the wind in the nearby casuarina trees. After the interview, we also had an opportunity to see the spectacular new regional art gallery in Mudgee, which is almost completed. Guy was born in the town and spent the first five years of his life there. And it is his work that will form its very first exhibition, which will be in August. You can find images of the works we talk about in this episode on the website talkingwithpainters.com. Guy grew up in a family with an artistic father who would draw, paint and sculpt in his garage studio in his spare time and he shared that love with his son. Guy also loved making things in that garage and when he left school he took up the trade of boat building but he could never quite let go of his love of visual art. So this is where we pick up the conversation and we start with some observations on drawing.
1: It's a strange thing to want to do To, you know, to just want to be able to render something or or understand how to do that. But funnily, it never seemed something I had to try and figure out. It was, it just, I could do it. Um, I have friends who are musicians who it just was so innately natural in them to understand music and how it goes together and how it works and that sort of the structure of it, which I can't you know it's something I will pursue for the rest of my life as a study, uh, uh, you know, as something I'm trying to comprehend and, and get into my brain. But with drawing, I just understood it, it just worked already. But refining it and and you know, chasing it was a thing, an enjoyable pursuit, I guess.
0: Yeah, and so was there an actual catalyst that moved you from leaving boat building to? going to art school which is what happened after that well, yeah. was there a specific thing that happened or was
1: yes it- um you know, I found out and I, and I and I'm very aware now that I have a, a sort of a um a very focused energy or enthusiasm and and outside of that I have no energy you know so it's like I would turn up to work and I just I wouldn't even want to get out of the car my energy would drain away and I would be, you know, tired and uninspired, but I'd work all day, and I'd get home, and I'd work till midnight in the studio, full of energy and enthusiasm, and never want to stop. So I just realised, you, you know, you, it was a hard decision to leave a career behind, but um, you've, you know, you've got to follow your, your alignment. You know, you got to, you got to go with what you've got the energy for and you, you I guess you know if you're lucky enough to have that drive for, for something but now I'm a father so I've got to I've yeah. got to have energy for that too how
0: do you how, how do you juggle that
1: oh that that's been a it's been tough because you you go from being able to indulge this drive that you have um, exclusively to having to Divide that and have the energy for two things that are you know, or or something else that's, that's more important.
0: Mm. Do you find that when you are painting that you're more focused because of that?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. I was listening to James Drinkwater talk about how it 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 sharpened his focus, and and he he was talking about how he used to go to the studio and shift things around on the bench and make a coffee and all. That. And you just can't do it anymore. But I'm still struggling. Like, it's, I still need to do all that. And this whole working out in the field, the first half of it is the setting up. And that's so much a part of just getting yourself prepared and sort of productive procrastination. You know, you're walking Mm -hmm. around, you're thinking about it, you're setting up. You know, it takes me a while to get prepared and anchor everything to the ground, you know, because it's a bit of a production. So, uh, you know, I, I I still waste a lot of time.
0: Yeah, it is hard to do. I mean, I've been trying to find a way to, when you're working on something, to leave it at a point where you're going to be excited to pick it up again because sometimes it's really hard to sort of come back to something and try and get into where you were, you know. Do you find, have you got any ways of doing that?
1: Um, I just, I just have enough things on the go at any one time, usually, you know, 10 works or whatever. So you constantly rotating and, um, you get to put something away for long enough so that when you come back to it, you, you see it clearly again. One of the, the most important things I ever learnt at art school was put it to the wall and, you know, come back to it. And I I learned that lesson over and over, like I had these paintings from this river here that I took back to the studio and worked and worked and and I knew they were paintings of this river. And then a couple of people came into the studio and I was talking about these river paintings and and they didn't know what I was talking about because they couldn't see the river, like it didn't make sense to them at all. Yeah. Right. And I was so surprised because I knew I knew exactly what they were and what they were about. But I'd been looking at them for too long and working them for too long and not had hadn't put them away for long enough to come back and see them with fresh eyes. So so then I put them away and then I just you know I spent time doing other works and then I brought them back and then I realized that there was no sense of the, the river in them at all. So, you know, you, you've got to have <laughs> distance. You need distance from Totally, from, totally. And time.
0: Now, I'm going to take you back. We did digress. I'm taking you back to art school because I don't know if people would know that you, in you know, basically got picked up by a gallery in your honours year. So you were discovered very early on in your career in a way. So... Can you tell me a bit about that and what that experience was like? Uh, sure. Was yeah. it a surprise? Um,
1: yeah. I, I, um, with your honours, you have a project or a plan that you propose so that you can you know, do another year. And so you, you present your idea and hope that they give you a spot in honours to work on that. And I remember I just wrote a few lines saying, basically, look, i got no idea what I'm doing with this material. Like, what? I, can, I can use this stuff, but why? I just need another year, so please let me stay. And they did. So then I did, yeah, I did my honours year. And then someone told me to go and see um, Olsen.
0: Oh yeah, Tim Olson. Yeah. And I
1: remember I walked in there with my portfolio under my arm, and I saw him see me and run out the back door because <laughs> I was like, oh, my, you know, all gallerists get inundated with you know art students, yeah, yeah. with their folders under their arm. So he he saw me and he just ran out the door. Anyway, so I just dropped my folio on the on the counter and said, can you show Tim? And then I walked back up the road and, and, like, before I even got up the end of the street, he called me. Really? So I just came back down and um, he gave me a show.
0: That must have been amazing that you get with Olsen Gallery. I mean, that's a major well, Sydney gallery. you know,
1: what, what was good about it was that you... Um, so the momentum was kept up. So when I left art school, I had a show to make. Yeah. And that was amazing. I, I had to work. And um, so you see... I guess a lot of the, once you leave art school, that lovely, you know, nest of nurturing and being helped and fostered and, you know, you're sort of on your own after that and so you can fall away very quickly. You've got to organise a studio, you want to find somewhere to show your work or you know, all that sort of stuff, and so I, I just had immediately some something to do, and I had a garage to work in, and, uh, and a show to make, yeah. so I, I just, that momentum was there, and um, I got a Paris residency thing at the end of honours, so spent four months over overseas, oh, came back yeah. full of energy for it, and had a show.
0: Let's jump forward to two thousand and nine because that's when you won the Archibald Prize, and that's when you know I think you were, you were thrust into the limelight back then with your fantastic painting of Jeffrey um, Gurrumul Yunapingu. But there's something I found out that I didn't realise, and that is that you had been rejected eight times before that, and that was that the first time you'd been a finalist and you won it. Yeah. How was it? What did it? Oh, well,
1: uh, I mean, I. I go in. I enter prizes with no, you know, thoughts about anything. Um, I just always enjoyed entering it. I was entering it from the second year of art school or oh, something because I just wanted to. I knew I'd never get in, but I, I just um, I liked that I had to make a painting and finish on and and but and you get to go down there and um, you know to the loading dock. Yeah, the loading dock. It was yeah. cool. It was like behind the scenes. So I, I, I loved doing it, and I never thought anything would happen anyway. Um, so, yeah.
0: Were they mostly, like, what, what sort of people would you be painting? Were they sort of... Uh,
1: well, I think a lot of the reason that that one got in was because it was, um, you know, it's just such an extraordinary subject.
0: Mm. I should so... mention just for the listener that um, Gurumur was a, uh, he's since died, but he's, uh, he was a famous Indigenous singer.
1: Yeah, absolutely, utterly extraordinary. Yeah, and unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I saw him, and just that was it. I it was I never felt more compelled to paint someone. Mm. Just, just you know, the idea that okay, if this gets hung, then people will see this and they'll talk about the subject. They'll, they'll talk about him, um, and that for me, that was the most successful thing about it. Mm. That. I remember going there on the night and they were playing Gurumul's music through the whole art gallery. And I just thought that was the best thing that has ever happened to me from a painting.
0: Yeah. Well, that's very interesting because that was a very large work and it was of Gurumul's head. Um, And I just want to compare that to your most recent Archibald painting, which I absolutely loved, which was in twenty twenty, was hung as a finalist, and that was of Jennifer Byrne, who's a, mm. a television presenter and journalist, and that that's called JB Reading, and it is just the most beautiful profile of her as she's reading, basically. Yeah. So it's head and shoulders, and I just got the sense from that that it seemed it, it is so, it like seems so alla prima to me. That it, was it like just in a sitting?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a nice experience it was just um pretty much painted from life i I, I sort of sold the idea to her because i know she doesn't like being painted um i said look i'm going to paint you a a small quiet painting of you reading and if you like it you can have it when i'm finished and and she's like all right so we she just came over can't refuse that yeah so she she just sat in my studio and read, and, uh, and read to me, which was beautiful. And um, and we just... Because we're old we're buddies. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a really um, easy, you know, comfortable portrait to make. I don't make a, a lot of portraits.
0: Do you think, like, do you think you've got to approach it with something like an Archibald painting that it's not going to... Uh, I'm not putting the pressure on myself that it's going to go in, that I'm going to enter it. I've just got to treat it as another painting and not sort of think this yeah. is for the Archibald.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, you should never really do something specifically for a prize. Pretty much all, other than those few um, portraits, all the paintings I enter in, you know, the, the win prize paintings, they're just paintings that work, that I've done at some time in the last year that I like. You know, if you start out with this thing in mind that you've, you're making something that's for a prize, that's got to got to be judged, um, it's it's really problematic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose that's what that's the advantage of doing a friend. You
1: know. Yeah, but the the thing with the Archibald is that that's you know you do you you unless you are a portrait painter and you've got a stack of them and you can pick the best one, you're pretty much making a painting for that. So it's it's not. Steady ground to yeah, start. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I suppose you've got to think it, it, if it works, I'll put it in. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or do a few. I usually just do a few
0: at the same time, sort of like at the yeah. same time.
1: Yeah, Do do three or four, and, oh, and, and, okay. and you never know which one's going to be the one that works. And then you know, so that that's a way around it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um.
1: But really, the best thing to do is just you know, if you've got something that you like, enter it.
0: You've also won a Landscape Prize painting, which is the New South Wales Parliament Plan Art Prize. And I want to talk about that painting a little bit because it comes from a whole series of, because you, as you were just saying, you had probably had this painting because you were working on a whole series at the time. And that painting was called Hill End Lane. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that series of paintings?
1: Uh, yeah, that was, I think it was, I can't remember when it was. But, no, it was 2013-ish. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, I was floundering, and my mates. We used to do some painting trips together, but um, my my friends just said to me, "Look, this is what you need to do. You need to sit down and paint, regardless of what it is you're painting. You've got this um, facility with it. Just don't think, don't overthink anything. Just sit down and paint. sit here. You know that. Was, and it was it was." Um, you know, my mate's back lane in Hill End. Luke Luke, Luke's, yeah. yeah. So they were just like, just sit here and make paintings. <laughs> and so, and I so, did, I, yeah. I probably made 50, you know, right. over, you know, a year or whatever. And it was so, you know, they were very right. It's, it's what I needed to do.
0: And what was that scene like? What was that? Oh, it's just you- a,
1: it, it's a nondescript scene. You know, back lane, did It was that was the point. Um, which is somewhere to start and something to respond to. And um, so I, I've been painting that lane for 10 years, oh. whenever you know, yeah, eight right. years.
0: Oh, you're still painting, yeah.
1: My last show in Brisbane was called The Lane, and it was all oh. exclusively paintings from that spot. Wow, and in fact, the importance of it really became apparent when i got so sick and tired of painting that lane that (laughs) i stopped looking really i would still set up and paint but i would i realized i was barely looking but i was still making paintings Mm. so i knew it well enough to um sort of let go of it and then the paintings became increasingly more interesting um and so that that was sort of beginning of where these this latest body of work came came from, and that's uh, letting go really of, of what you're looking at, but still you know still there.
0: Yeah. Well, the lane itself seems to appear in every single one.
1: Yeah. Even if yeah. I, you know, and there is paintings that I actually start from memory in the studio, but the the lane is still there totally. Um, so yeah, that the. Came a point a couple of years ago when I just gave up on it, but still kept returning, and I was painting almost without paying it any attention, being quite absorbed in in the the making of the thing, you know. And so they became just something that held my interest because I am a very restless painter, and you know I've, I've you'd probably know I've explored so many avenues of just the physicality of of paint and putting. Paint down, and if I, if I, I'm I'm so interested in just that that it sort of leads me to play and experiment and understand all all, all those just literally those sort of physical ways of application and all that sort of thing. So I sort of found that with you know working back in the studio, I could indulge all that you know all, all the possibilities of painting could exist in in one painting. You know, no rules. You could be free and open with it and just let any area of the painting take you to wherever it needs to go.
0: Yeah. Well, I've noticed with that body of work that you've been working on coming up in your show at Yavu's Gallery, like those amazing landscapes that you've been doing, they've got that element of like they're almost surreal or sort of almost like fantasy.
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of the storybook Um, imagery that's influenced these works kids books that I read to my son that were read to me the lovely illustrations that are in those books that are kids illustrations so they're they're not high art but they're beautiful and pure in their you know naive way or whatever Mm -hmm. but you can see his little brain entering into those landscapes and being lost, and the imagination of it all. And so I sort of let my own brain get lost into the these paintings and just let them happen and be, um, yeah, just be playful about them. If they stayed in my studio, I would keep painting on them. Yeah. They're, they're, it's just, you know, they're, they're only finished when the photographer comes and takes the photos of them. Because what, there's no point in them if if I if I have them in my studio, there's no point in them as finished things, you know. Because each one of them is just working stuff out and exploring. And, you know. yeah. So I, I I most definitely would would um, would just keep keep working on them.
0: Would you really? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. you get to a point where they're you know they're sort of starting to feel a bit resolved, and then you just put them away, and and then. The photographer comes along and takes a photo. But
0: you know what, with your work, because it is such in, like thick impasto. Well, it's not all, not all over the the canvas, but there is a quite a strong element of impasto. Is it hard to come back in on a painting again that without sort of like coming over something like that? Or how, how would you rework a painting? Yeah, like
1: that? there's less and less physical. You know, paint on on these there's oh, actually okay. not the, it's funny you can use um if if the painting's tonally more diverse or strong you can use less paint it's funny like they still look like they're very painterly things with a lot of paint on them but they're, they're not really and that leaves it open to reworking more like if you if you put a lot of paint down, they get very heavy very quickly. And I often cut just got to get rid of them. You just throw them away. So I, you know, I'm more cautious these days um, and I do use less paint. I think using a lot of paint for me was actually about frustration and uncertainty. So you just throw more material at it and hope it works. And sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. So you know, This body of work is much more carefully constructed. There's less paint but more activity, I think. Mm. Um, And so I can keep working them because there's actually... The films are quite thin.
0: So would you start off with... Would you have worked out the composition of these, like, more or less pretty well before you start? Or is this something it develops?
1: Um, No, there's no ideas beforehand. Well, there's no... I don't sort of sketch anything out or anything. I mean, it, you just start. Um, and it's just the nature of these, these works. You you just start and you basically, you know, destroy the purity of the white canvas and then you feel okay. You're free. So um, no, I mean, there's, I, you know, you just sort of start working. Mm. Um, and it, it's, you know, over the years, I guess I've, figured out that that's just the easiest or most immediate way to do it and all all that early exploration is part of the work you know there's no point working anything out beforehand for me anyway yeah um and again if you if if i don't get carried away and i just work a little bit um uh, slow down a little bit i don't use too much material then there's plenty of room to move and and I I can come back to the work over and over and over over you know months if I have to and I can still um you know it doesn't get saturated
0: yeah that's fascinating that's really interesting because I used to just make
1: like 20 paintings and throw half of them away um because they it was that sort of Throwing throwing material at it and seeing what happens, sort of thing. Um, But that so less and less of that.
0: Was that more when you were just doing plein air painting? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'd go and do twenty paintings in a few days and just pick pick the best one. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the most fascinating things I read recently, which changed, which was really pivotal for making these works, was um, you know Neo Rausch incredible painter there's so much information in his works it's baffling Mm -hmm. um you know you can try and understand them and work them out but there's no you know there's no end to it they're they're so engaging for me Mm. they they appear so um preconceived but i read an interview with him where he's sort of saying there's there's no preconception about them there's no pre-planning it just starts Mm. And it actually really, it put me on that sort of path of just going with it, being more automatic, um, not working in any particular way, but just being open to what you need to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I found that really um, incredible.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, how you can get uh, confidence from seeing what other artists do or hearing how they work as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. It makes absolutely. you – sort of reassures you in a way as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. I listened to Jude's podcast. Oh, yeah, Jude Ray. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was one of my teachers, actually. Yeah, she's um, amazing. Back in Nas, And I liked, you know, her uh, – just thinking about the potential of painting. But for Jude, it was – you know, she chose still life because it removed any um, potential for the painting – to be about anything more than the painting, I guess, yeah. you know. And she was disappointed when people started to read into the painting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's as inspiring that painting can be about nothing else. Um, as someone who uses painting as a, a voice for change and a powerful tool in, in that, you know, whole other thing that painting can be.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um. And, you know, for me, painting has really just been always about searching and discovering the potential in the material. And I, I, I was always a bit terrified that I'd get to the end of it and then I wouldn't know what was left. And I <laughs> Well, that think, you'd figure it out, you mean? Yeah. I mean, not that I'd ever master anything, or fi- but just that I sort of... It was so much about just understanding and knowing how things are done in that... Material sense mm. that um, I, I wondered whether I, you know, if I got to the end, what what would I, what use would I have for <laughs> it, or what could I do with it? Or so, yeah, I, I sort of feel like I'm I'm, at, I'm working in a way where um, it's open ended. I can employ all that stuff, you know, enjoy it, and not feel like I'm gonna come to the end of something.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's also well, it's also that fear of not having curiosity anymore, mm. you know. Because if you lose that, it's yeah. you know there's, it's sort of like pointless. Yeah, in a way.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know it's it is so about. I, I mean, I'm still as intrigued and and absorbed by this substance. So I hope I, I hope I never get to the end of
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about the substance, um, you work in oils. Do you have you ever tried acrylics, or I mean, have you been interested um, in any other paint? Forms, I used or?
1: to use acrylics. And I stopped when I realised that I was doing whatever I could to make them work like (laughs) oil. To the point where people thought they were oil paintings. But it was just so, you know.
0: Yeah, well, you're slowing down the drying and that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: and adding things and, you know, trying (laughs) to make them just be like oil paint so yeah um yeah. look oil oil paint it's just magic stuff you can do whatever you want with it yeah um, do you use
0: it just straight out of the tube i mean oh
1: uh, a bit, of, bit medium. of medium but you know not a lot of stuff but um but yeah, yeah. it's just you know one yeah. of those seductive materials
0: we were talking about painting from life um when we we're talking about the portraits but i also wanted to talk about your still life paintings because they're life you know, you're painting from life for those as well. And there was a whole series of works that you did that are, you were very well known for, and those are those, uh, the birds and foxes and other animals, which are essentially a roadkill. Can you tell me a bit about how that started off? Um, yeah, that uh, that just, it
1: happened because I was doing so many road trips and um, I've always stopped and, and looked at, Birds on the side of the road, um, because it's the only time you can get close to it. You know, there's such extraordinary things that are always beyond your reach. Uh, And unfortunately, the only time you can really see them and feel them and be close is when you when they're dead. Even as a young a young boy growing up in the in the bush, um, you know, really quite an emotional thing to find a dead. A beautiful dead animal when you're a young kid, I found. found. Um, So it just became a thing of, well, I'm going to paint it so that I can keep it before you have to bury it or, you know. Mm. And it became something I could do. I remember I was doing a residency and it it was raining a lot so I could keep working inside. Just the opposite way of working to, to working out in the field... I could come in and um, light and present this subject uh, how I wanted to and get everything right and be calm and thoughtful about it and, and quiet and, and um, reflective. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed working like that. Yeah. Um,
0: Did you use artificial light at, at all? Yeah. Was
1: right? yeah, absolutely. I built, I made a box, put the thing in the box, very much, you know, with that classical ideals so it was very staged they, yes. they were in a, a box that was artificially lit and very theatrical or whatever you
0: know, yeah you know what i really you know that reminds me of that amazing portrait you did of david griggs for the archibald
1: yeah well he, he was presented like a in the same way.
0: That's right. So that it was similar to those birds because yeah. the birds would be on a sort of a table with it sort yeah. of lying up and this was David Griggs. It was basically his head and his shoulders. Just lying, yeah, Lying yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that was a really, I remember seeing that in, at the art of New South Wales and I just, it was very powerful.
1: Yeah, well, he, you know, it was one of those examples of um, a subject, you know, a, a reason to paint a portrait for me cuz he, he was staying with me at the time and having a having a tough time and um he's such a beautiful guy oh, a lovely and person, um yeah. and so I sort of went through a, a, or understood a lot of what he was going through at the at the time so um yeah I felt a lot for him and I you know that that painting made sense to me he make. must
0: have he must have enjoyed you painting that as well i would have thought yeah
1: i think so yeah (laughs) he he likes the painting and particularly the the beanie (laughs) he's wearing a (laughs) beanie
0: yeah that's right
1: because it's hanging in my studio and he whenever he comes over he's like that beanie is so good (laughs) anyway so yeah look it's it every now and then there's there's someone i want to paint and so you know I, i i do like that painting and and so I look at it every day.
0: And do the, does it make a difference painting someone you know, do you find? Or is that mainly, uh, do you mainly just paint people you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I don't really paint. Well, yeah, I, very rarely do I paint a portrait anyway, but um, it's even rarer that I paint someone I don't know. Yeah.
0: yeah, so you wouldn't do a commission, say, or you...
1: Well, I, I've done, I did one, and um, it was a reasonably positive experience but it's not it's not um i don't know it's it's, it's pretty broad, stressful yeah it's not <laughs> why i do it and it's just so it's not, you
0: know. would you do a commission for a landscape
1: uh again it's just it's it's not i it's it's like that thing of painting a painting for a prize you know you, you just you, you're coming at it from the wrong angle and you, you there's going to be trouble <laughs> yeah. so you just don't you know um, but having said that maybe, maybe I have the luxury of, of saying I don't I don't do it or I say look you know have a look at the next bunch of paintings I've got you might like one but that's about as close as I get to um, to doing a, a commission because you, you know Yeah. It just doesn't work. No, I I agree with that. Not in the way that I work anyway.
0: Also, I... I there's so many things to cover with your work, but I just wanted to touch on also your sculpture at work because yeah. you have done a lot of sculpture, and um, I remember seeing some fantastic works um, at Sydney Contemporary. But also, I remember in the Win Prize one year you had done a bust. So, but essentially, most of these sculptures are, are of a like a classic bust style work mm. uh, that has somehow been sort of mangled in a way, uh, and. In many ways, uh, and in many of them, you know, you, even if it's bronze, you will paint over it in a sort of like an unlikely sort of colour, like a pastel blue or something like that. Um, what do you, does that – how do you – how does that – how did that start off, the sculpture? I mean, is that, is that something you've been doing your whole uh, career or
1: um, – <clears throat> Yeah, I went to National Art School to do sculpture because they just built a foundry bronze casting foundry and i'd i've been mucking around in my friend's homemade foundry and um that's very dangerous actually thing to do <laughs> we almost had some bad um you know accidents um i mean you're playing with
0: you know, oh you're molten lava yeah. basically
1: <laughs> so yeah I, I mean i i went to NASP, and i thought that's you know that's what i'm gonna do but yeah, you know, it is, it's very labour-intensive and, and sort of restricting in a way. And uh, as soon as I did my first painting, the liberation, you know, the immediacy of it was intoxicating, you know, as opposed to that sort of sculptural thing, which was there were so many processes to go through. So I, I didn't do any sculpture for, I don't know, 15 years or something. And the last maybe five years, it just came back as a way, I made a, a I made a sculpture of my head, so that I could paint from it. Yeah. So just as an exercise, yeah. um, and it's like a step removed. Yeah, and then yeah. the the modelling of my head was a, another way of understanding my structure. Then I smashed it up and I'll, and put it back together, and it, it just became evident that there was so much potential in this material beyond what I thought. And um, so I just started experimenting with it. It just went from there. Yeah. So I be- became more playful with it and I'd make, you know, use all sorts of materials and um, muck around with them. And,
0: yeah, well, I read somewhere they used plasticine at some point. Yeah, plasticine. I seen brilliant. Plasticine in years.
1: Yeah, because, you know, you can freeze it and then you can smash it and it, and it shatters like um, glass. Or you can melt it or you can um, do it, everything. At the same time, you can hit it with a blowtorch, or you can, all you know. So it, it it was such a versatile material. Does that so, harden?
0: Does that harden? yeah? In the oh. freezer,
1: it goes rock
0: hard. Oh, okay.
1: So uh, I was casting this same head thing that I made. I got a mould made of it, and then I poured poured it in, um, plasticine or plaster or whatever, and then um, proceeded to do all sorts of you know things it was definitely some. I was working through stuff there <laughs> with my own image um and made a, so many sculptures about myself it was re, you know I didn't realize it was going to happen but that's sort of what came out of it they were the first sculptures I made but it it's it's something that now sort of exists alongside my painting um and it's a good antidote to painting in a way.
0: One thing I like asking my guests who who have a partner who is also an artist um, and you're partner is Sally Anderson, who is also a painter. She's a well-known painter. Uh, whether they, you know, influence each other or give each other feedback about their work, I'm just wondering with your relationship whether, you know, you sort of have, a, have that sort of a relationship.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Okay. I mean, it just it, it is because you live together and you, you know, respond to each other and what, what you're doing and, and we're both, literally both painters, so yeah. but we're both very different and so that's good too you know um, but we both really understand what each other is doing so sally's one of the few people that um, you know i really have that discussion with and it's important and you know we 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 have a, a kid in the middle of this so we 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 just handle or juggle that that balance of um uh, but it works really well because our, our, our boy gets so much of our time and we still get time in our studios and, we, you know, we, we manage that. He, you know, he's lucky and we're lucky. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. We've, just, we've got all the flexibility. Um, but, yeah, um, we, we have a great dialogue with each other about our work and a oh, vital thing to have, really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, Guy, good luck with your show coming up in Sydney. I can't wait to see it hung. Um, And thanks so much for your time today.
1: No worries. Thanks.
0: What a fantastic artist. It was so good speaking with Guy Maestri. Go to the website for details of the Yavuz Gallery and Mudgee exhibitions as well as links to things and people we talked about in this episode. Also, watch out for the video of Guy talking with me while actually painting on plein air, which will be on the YouTube channel, the website, um, and on social media, on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters.
1: And it's interesting what you can do and your brain still makes sense of it because your brain wants to put everything back together or make sense of what it's looking at. So you can take whatever you want, leave whatever you don't want and as long as it's sort of constructed in a way that makes some since you're free.